It's that time of year again, everybody. Baseball made their agreement. We're talking about fantasy today. Welcome back. It's, I, I, I'm just so excited right now. I'm even jumbling sentences, jumbling words. I'm here with two people, highly respected. I worked with them before, and I'm, I'm happy to bring them on. We talk about fantasy. Even before that, because again, I'm just very excited. We're high voltage with Double A, and of course, I am your host, Double A, with the guests of Scott and Bill. Introduce yourselves to the crowd. Introduce your baseball expertise and knowledge and your love of the game, and we're going to get right into it. So uh, just introduce everybody to the crowd. I'm happy to be here, and I'm happy to discuss baseball, and specifically fantasy baseball with you guys, because it's that time, man. Yeah, this is Bill. Been a lifelong baseball fan. You know, here we are. Back with baseball, been playing fantasy baseball for years, and Alex is a uh, very good owner, and um, Thank you. I can't wait to uh, take him down again this year. Oh, really? So, I mean, what, remind people what happened last year, eh? I mean, you know. Well, I remember you going on our message board and saying things like, you're going to see what a real undefeated season is, and I remind you that we played in a couple of weeks, and now you can remind <laughs> the crowd what happened when that matchup took place. I forget, were we one and one, one and two, or one and two? That's... Yeah, there was uh, a little bit of an issue in the second half, as you know of, and uh, we're not going to go into that too much. We, there's but, a, every league has its issues, and no, we, are, we don't have to get into it specifically. But what about you, Scott? Waiting for your turn over there. <laughs> no, it's great. Thanks for having me. Yeah, like like Bill said, lifelong baseball fan. Um playing all sorts of fantasy sports for years and uh, really looking forward to get back into it. We've revamped the league, like you said, some issues, but I think the league's going to be very competitive and really exciting this year. Yeah, so he's the commissioner. I mean, we also, you know, you, if you want to call a commissioner dictator, you're more than happy to. Not specifically Scott, but you could. Uh, depends on who that person is. I definitely know a few that, you know, call the commissioner's uh, dictators. But let me ask you guys this one question before we get started. You guys have played many fantasy sports. You just alluded to it. Is baseball your favorite one to play? Hmm, that's a tough question. I mean, absolutely it is for me. I'm not hesitating. You guys are hesitating right now. I mean, I have a uh, really good track record of fantasy football, Mm -hmm. uh, fantasy basketball. Right now, I'm in the semifinals of the league that I've been in, won that league a few times. Uh, The guy that won the regular season by a wide margin, I'm actually winning against him right now in the semifinals. So, I'm having a lot of fun with that, but... uh, yeah, I mean, baseball, just from the fact that it's my favorite sport, I would say that that's definitely 1-1-A probably with football. Mm-hmm. And good luck with fantasy basketball. Thank you. And to all those two. Yeah, I've played fantasy football, baseball, hockey, and basketball. I, I would say, even though I play more fantasy football, I'm in numerous leagues every year, I think I enjoy fantasy baseball more just because the sport itself really goes well with fantasy sports. In baseball, they tell you everything comes down to a number. The real story of the game can be told through numbers. You can tell how well somebody does. So it really fits along with fantasy compared to football. So I think I just enjoy it more, even though I play plenty of each. And it really does make you feel like a general manager. Like with with fantasy football, there's just so many guys on a roster. You're not considering defense. With basketball, maybe to a certain extent... But I feel like, you know, you're playing everybody, like a 13-man uh, roster, you're playing everybody, and, you know, you can't play 13 guys, you got to play your top five, top six, top seven. With fantasy baseball, you know, that most of the guys who you're playing, feels like you actually are playing them just like you are in, uh, in, in real life. And plus, with all the numbers that you just said, and considering all the trades, and I know it's not as many teams as you would like. If it was a 15, 16-man league, I'm all for it. I've never gone more than 12, 
But with fantasy baseball, I really do feel like a general manager. And maybe it's because of a book like Moneyball. I don't know. But you guys definitely probably feel that too, right? Well, you know, like you said, you feel like a general manager, but you also feel like an actual baseball manager because, you know, you got to look at pitching matchups, pitching rotations, you know. If you're down in a game or you need wins to make the playoffs, you're probably going to look for pitchers that were going to throw twice a week as opposed to a better pitcher that might throw once a week. A lot of strategy goes into uh, fantasy baseball, which is something that I actually love about the game itself is the strategy that's involved. It's like a chess match within a chess match a lot of times. People enjoy fantasy football, you know, because everybody follows football. But when it comes to fantasy baseball, not only is it a much longer season, it's almost double that of a football season. There's Absolutely. 20, usually 25 weeks, depending on the league, compared to 13 for, you know, a 13-week regular season for football. So I enjoy that aspect more, that there's more time to really turn over your roster if you want to rebound or just make moves. It's one of the things that I like the most about it. Mm-hmm. And so let's so Bill, you you definitely alluded to it. Let's definitely get started. We're gonna we're gonna we're here to help you with your draft throughout your season. This is gonna be the once and once and for all episode for fantasy baseball. I may touch upon it midway through the season, but I'm not so sure about that. But this definitely is the episode for you to listen and follow because we're here to help you become the best team that you can. So with the first piece of advice I would give is just, and I think you should no matter the sport should definitely know this. You have to know your league settings. Like if you don't know if it's categories or points, you may be in a little bit of trouble there because you know you might want to focus on certain categories. Or when it comes to points, you may just uh, like you have to figure out okay which points are the best ones. You know, are, are we focusing about quality starts or wins? To which thing you have to focus on what team they're on, the offense they get. It, it would be a huge plus for trading to know your league members as well because it, it just makes it better for negotiations. You know how they work. You know, they know you. When it comes to like a stranger, you may not have their phone numbers. It takes a little bit of a while to get things done. Also, maybe frustration and uh, some lack of communication or just not be on the same page. Do you guys have similar advice on those lines before getting into the draft, before doing anything? I mean, mock drafts, I think that's an easy one too. But do you guys have anything similar that you guys do that many people will like to hear? One of the main things that I think is very important, especially with this offseason, is follow player movement. I mean, there's a lot of big names that switched teams this year. Uh, you know, there was a huge move that I really think can, you know, alter the balance of a position. Carlos Correa went from arguably the best offense in baseball with Houston last year, but now he's going to a Houston lineup that really needed another bat in the middle of the lineup. Mm. Um, I really think that Minnesota is going to have a really good lineup, similar to their 103-win team lineup. I know they lost Donaldson, and Snow is a little bit older at this point. You know, Korea is going to really, I think, make a big impact in there. So, you know, if you miss that move, you probably are going to lose out on Korea. If you um, did notice that move, you're probably thinking, you know, where is he going to go? N1, mid-2, early 3? You know, I may be a little bit higher than a lot of people listening to this on him, but... You know, I just really think that this is going to be a really big move for the Twins and for Correa himself. Double A, he alluded to a few other things, too. One of the issues that happened last year that I alluded to earlier was the fact that we had a lot of guys that really didn't quite know each other the way that they should have. Mm-hmm. So get familiar with the people in your league. Have a conversation. Say hi. Be active on your message boards. Everybody get each other's phone number. Have a group text. Do those kinds of things because your league is going to run a lot more smoothly. With baseball typically being an everyday event, you have to make sure that you're keeping it fun because it's going to get frustrating 
there's going to be a lot of people that just they go on vacation in the middle of summer and then they don't you know fill out their lineup. It could be a key se- uh, series in the season, a key win for somebody that maybe got the win because somebody didn't fill out their lineup for a weekend. But you know, just make sure you're keeping in touch with your league mates because that's really going to make things better. And as AA said earlier too, it's going to help you with trades. The following year with the draft, if everybody comes back, you're going to know their tendencies. These kinds of things can really, really be useful. One of my fantasy football leagues I've been in for about 20 years, like I can almost pick who the guy's going to draft. That's up because everybody knows each other so well. You know, we've all had that experience, right? Double A, I see yeah, you over there laughing, yeah, right? I, absolutely. So, like, you can almost guess what the draft is going to be ahead of time. Baseball is a little bit harder because, again, there's so much movement from team to team on a year-to-year basis. But as long as you know your league mates and, you know, you make everything fun and everybody is on the same page, everything's going to be smooth. And I think that you guys that are on the fence about playing fantasy baseball, you'll enjoy it more if you do those little things. Yeah, one of the biggest things is knowing your settings. Last year in our league, you know, wins were incredibly valuable, which means if you were paying attention, you should go in, you know, really value pitchers, look for pitchers that maybe they aren't the best pitchers, but they have a tendency to get wins. And since we didn't play quality starts, there was no other balance in order for pitchers to score points. And since it's a points league, it's obviously the biggest thing. So whether you're streaming pitchers or you're just drafting heavily on pitchers, not knowing your settings would be devastating because if you go hitter heavy and it's pitcher-friendly stats, you're going to be in trouble for the teams that did pay attention. Mm -hmm. And the only thing I want to add is that, uh, so we keep bringing up points and categories uh, head-to-head. It could be for the entire season. I definitely do recommend, I haven't done it in like to like a serious extent, definitely try rotisserie. It's basically categories and and like, uh, and you're just seeing, okay, do you lead at the end of the season in stolen bases and wins and ERA? Like see where you stack against everybody. If you come in second, you get the second most points and you have to tore up every category that that you accumulate. So I know we keep talking about points categories. It's definitely the most head-to-head action and you basically just compile up wins and that's a record for you but definitely if you i definitely recommend trying that out and to which then you're experimenting and even if you even if you don't succeed at it hopefully then you take whatever that you learn from that experiment and then you apply it to next season definitely you can become a master or even midway through the season maybe you don't need a whole season to do it but what about then the draft and i'll simply put it uh, I'll give my thoughts at the end. Simply put it uh, as this question. Do you draft for need or do you draft the best available? I'll start with you, Scott, first. You definitely draft the best available, really in the early rounds. Later on, if you later in the draft, if you want to pick you know, players that you like or sleepers or whatever you may think, early on especially, you draft the, you draft the best available. Because baseball especially, the stars are established. Those guys are going are almost guaranteed to put off points. I even give this advice for fantasy football. It's better to go safe in the early rounds and then swing for home runs in the later rounds. Mm. You see it a lot more for fantasy football, but it can happen in fantasy baseball. You you're projecting guys to take a leap, whether it's you know rookie year to their second year, or maybe they're coming off a strong second half of last season. But in the early rounds, that's very very risky because that's the foundation of your team. If your if your top five six picks are not performing, you're probably going to struggle throughout the season. So really early on, I can't emphasize this enough: draft safe and draft the best available. Well, just like with every other fantasy sport, there's many different ways. I typically like to go pitching heavy early, mm-hmm. just because 
if you can get a dominant pitching staff, people tend to draft hitter and position players early. So you can really build up a pitching staff and dominate all of your pitching categories, which in most leagues is about half of the scoring. And if you can go and build a strong three or four core starting pitchers and then get at least one dominant closer and a couple of other good bullpen arms, you're probably going to have an advantage over everybody else. And just like in real baseball, good pitching is always at a premium. So you can always flip a good pitcher to get a good bat later. Now, I'm not saying you ignore your bats because sometimes guys fall. But my strategy is usually pitching and in premium positions like catching. You only have a few good catchers. So if you can get a good catcher, you know, early on in draft, like third round or later, my opinion is you take them because you're getting a distinct positional advantage. You can get plenty of guys that are outfielders that are going to do well. I mean, just look at all the historical stats. There's guys up there that are always going to be there, like Juan Soto. Of course, if that guy's there or he falls a couple of spots, you take him. But then you're always going to get another guy like, um, what's his name? The guy from uh, Baltimore last year. Um, what, Cedric, Cedric Mullins? Yeah, Cedric Mullins, who, um, you know, really came out of nowhere. He's always been, you know, a decent player. But, like, last year he kind of broke through the wall. You know, you can always find a guy like that out there. It's really a matter of taste. Um, this year, with the way that some people are actually switching positions on different teams, I'm not going to throw no names out there because I'm in the league with these two guys, but if they think about it, they'll be able to say the name. I mean, hey, versatility does matter. Right, it does, which is why I made sure that I got Murfield from you in a trade last year. Yeah, that's true. Right. So, um, but that being said, you know, just pay attention to, you know, guys that switch teams and maybe playing a new position because that may add some depth. There might be a guy who drafted that position already that the guy used to play, and now he's going to double up. He's, you know, thinking that he's doubling up or whatever, and he might not be because now he doesn't have depth like he thought he would. Mm-hmm. Uh, but just you got to pay attention to what's going on with player movement always. But, um, you know, this year my draft strategy may be a little bit different based off of a lot of player movement, which mm-hmm. – um. You guys should be good with relievers at that point. Yeah, I'm, <laughs> I, I'm definitely not a huge fan of the lead pitcher category. I, I would prefer to, you know, put stars in there, but that's going to be really tough for, depending on, you know, if, if Scott has like control over who's a lead pitcher, who's not. Like, is Rage Suarez does he count? Oh, I, I, and I know with Freddie Peralta, he's not going to be anymore because I think he maybe made one or two relief relief appearances, and that's it. But that's, uh, but I do definitely say uh, you definitely do want to draft the best available. But that doesn't always mean it's the best available according to the site like if you think that there's an other talented player it doesn't have to be the highest ranked player there's a difference like if I think if current if Clayton Kershaw is the best name available and I'm going to bring his name up in just a moment but if I think he's the most talented maybe he's the fifth best guy available all these different sites have different rankings you I'm not going to suggest making your own rankings because you want to see what other they might have created their own rankings most likely they, they won't have to they won't put in the time into it but I definitely will say that keep the same rankings as uh, don't touch it because that's probably what they're looking at. And you can see, okay, they're probably going to take this guy. The auto pick's going to take the top available player there. My biggest suggestion is that just think about average draft position. I would definitely sort it as that because that's definitely uh, over a period of time. Mo- most people are going to take, uh, take the mo- more talented player. doesn't always mean they're ranked that high. And then just if even if you're looking at the rankings, okay, I prefer this player. I feel like that's the most talented that they're going. They had a down season. They're going to rebound this year, somewhere along the lines that, that Bill said. But yes, yeah, I definitely do agree that you do, that you do want to draft the best available to, in your mind. To which then I just would say don't overdo a certain position. 
I mean, you can fix holes later, don't get me wrong, but it, it does create a little bit of a, of a nuisance when when you have uh, too many outfielders or too many first basemen at some, uh, and you can't put them at a utility or DH spot, to which the universal DH does change a lot. We will get into that at the end of the episode. But when it comes to certain positions, you could you know make a trade. Maybe someone doesn't. But I will definitely say this before I get into uh, my unique draft strategy, that don't feel set on the players that you draft. Like, if you have to drop your last pick, don't feel like, oh, I have to keep them just because, like, oh, I drafted them. You know, like, if you feel, if you, it, you want the most flexibility, not just out of a player in terms of what position they play, but also on your roster. Like, don't feel like, oh, I have this I have this weight and I can't do anything, I can't drop anybody. I, I just want to trade like don't that's that last place behind not going to do that much it's kind of rare for a last round pick to do something maybe you know someone gets hurt maybe an IL spot yet to uh, then you have a free roster spot that definitely creates a flexibility maybe you want to stream that's definitely huge for maniacs like me who you know uh, definitely loves to do it on, uh, like daily but still definitely you want to create yourself some flexibility after the draft but during the draft, and I'm going to ask you guys what individual, like what what draft what draft strategies you need to you and how you draft. For me, it's just basically don't get stuck on a name. You know, Clayton Kershaw is not what he used to be, or Giancarlo Stanton always gets hurt. Tim uh, Byron Buxton, uh, Tim Anderson, these guys are big names, but I don't necessarily. I'm not a huge fan of them for one way or another. I don't draft them around too earlier because of it. Like you may, if you don't follow baseball, this that, that this might be a problem later on. So you probably have heard. Of those guys but if hopefully you understand the concern the injuries or maybe they're, they're on the decline because of age like with Kershaw by any chance do you guys have a certain draft strategy unique to how you draft so I typically in just in terms of the draft you know going through the whole process a little bit different direction than you went but I usually make my own rankings for baseball it's a little bit different than football and football in a typical 10 team league there's only really 150 players being drafted total it's double that in baseball at least so making your own rankings you don't have to rank all 300 players but definitely doing your own rankings can really help you find value where these these sites are usually taking consensus from average draft position and their quote-unquote experts Mm -hmm. who are ranking these players and there may not be, you know, it may not be the most accurate in terms of how you, you know, view your team. So that's one of the things I, I definitely strongly recommend. Keep both. Keep the standard uh, rankings so you can see how other teams are drafting. But also use your own to find value. In terms of me, when I draft, I typically take pitchers early and often. Usually three within the first five rounds. Because, like Bill mentioned, pitching really dominates not only in the actual game, but in fantasy. So if I can get a top two starter in the league with my first pick, and then, you know, really grab, you know, a couple either aces or number twos on other teams with those next two or four round picks, then I really set the foundation of myself. And that can be extremely valuable later on in the season. There's going to be injuries, but if you have a guy going out there every five days, that's giving you at least a quality start, then you're really going to be an advantage over the rest of the league. Well, I do agree with that. Pitching early and often, because like I said, you know, you can always trade a good pitcher for a good hitter because pitching is at a premium. Mm. Um, and again, you know, catchers, shortstops, and second baseman were a little bit weak last year due to injuries. If you can grab like some of those guys that um, 
you know, might be falling like Polanco from Minnesota last year. Turned out to have an excellent year. I picked him up on the waiver wire probably about six weeks into the season last year. You know, that turned out to be gold and actually saved my middle infield. You know, other than that, it's just a matter of being flexible throughout the draft. You know, because you're going to have picks that are sniped out from underneath you, which happened to me essentially the whole first half of the draft last year. Double A's over there laughing again because you saw my reaction. Term, I just love the term snipe that you well, use. I mean, it's a perfectly used word in that right. sense. Right. You know, so it's like that's going to happen. It happens in all fantasy sports. And, you know, you can't really lose your head. Last year I uh, went off the deep end and decided to take every quality closer that we had and monopolize <laughs> that position. But, hey, it was what it was. But, you know, just be flexible. You know, if you're not flexible, you're really not going to give yourself the best chance of putting a quality team together because it's not just about your starters. Baseball is a sport like football where injuries are going to happen. People are going to go on the IL. Some guys might go on for, you know, 10 days. Last year, we had a lot of guys going on with COVID and we're missing five to seven days. You know, as long as you can keep an open mind about like, okay, I really don't like that I've lost that player. You can turn around and grab another guy that may have fallen that other guys were just waiting on for whatever reason that they were waiting on him. I think I got uh, Alvarez last year in what, like the ninth round or something like that? No, Don Alvarez? Yeah. He's, it seemed like the, maybe in the seventh or eighth round. And ninth round is a little bit steep. Like, he's a fabulous hitter. Right. And, you know, he fell and fell and fell and fell and fell and he just kept falling. And, you know, I just, it got to the point where, like, I had to take him even though I just don't like DH only players. You know, at some point, the value had to come into play, and that was where it was. So I got somebody like that really late, although I had lost out on a catcher, a second baseman, a third baseman, and Merrifield. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I love winning that. Right. You, you should. Help me win a championship. You should, because he's going to uh, monopolize, like, the stolen base category for you, because nobody steals bases anymore. But, that's that's true. You it, know. It, that's mostly, I would think, that's a beneficiary of categories. When, when it comes right. to points, it's just another point, like a single would be. Right, without a doubt. Yeah, so. But, uh, it, but we're, you know, this is a general fantasy talk that we have here, not league specific. And, you know, if you're playing five by five or rotisserie or something like that, that stuff matters. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, it's just uh, be flexible, you know, understand, you know, what positions are strong, which ones aren't, understand what positions will turn value for you later on in the year, and you should be able to put together at least a very competitive roster. Mm-hmm. I definitely will say when it comes to, like, like flexibility, you, you probably will be shocked. Like, you you have that player, you, you're only one pick left, and you, you're going to feel, oh, I got this player, you know, is he, is he really going to take it? And he, and he does. That's where you, you I would keep a plan B, plan C in mind right before that pick house because having that shock feeling is one of the worst when it comes to fantasy. One, one more thing before turning it over to uh, trade toss and, and, and getting away from the draft. I definitely will say when it comes to versatility, I definitely will say a guy like Tommy Emmon, who I traded uh, from Scott's team, luckily with Shane Beeler, you know, mostly hurt after the trade happened, but Tommy Emmon could be a great bench piece. Like, just having that versatility... Having a lot of depth, he's like basically telling him a second base shortstop outfielder. He's your backup outfielder. He could be your backup shortstop. He could be his backup second baseman. Basically, save yourself an extra draft pick because he holds so many different positions. Same thing can be said when it comes to if you have a relief pitcher, starting pitcher. Like, do you do you really want um, more starting pitchers than you do closers? It's like I hate blown saves. I've always hated it. Uh, because most of the time they end up getting losses, they they give up like five earned runs, and you know it may probably a home run involved in, in one of that. Especially I remember Aurora's Chapman playing against the Twins. 
You know, like, how, like he was just going on the derail for, like, that month of July. Like, I don't want to deal with that. Like, I, like uh, by that point, I, I don't even mind benching him because I don't want those negative points on me or in categories that ERA blowing up. Uh, which, of course, with relief pitch, they don't pitch that much so that they're, they're prone for, uh, to uh, to ruin your whole ERA for the entire week. But for, yeah, versatility, again, it could te- definitely help your depth. It definitely, I would think, in the late rounds, look for versatility. They, they could definitely become a great bench piece. But so you, I know where you guys are when it comes to trading, uh, when it comes to, you know, you told me before, I don't want to trade yet, you know, this, this, and that. Uh, I, and I definitely encourage people to be patient, but I want you guys to elaborate a little bit more because you definitely told me, I don't want to trade yet, I don't want to trade yet. I, the only reason I want to trade is because I, I, uh, I want to buy someone low before I made you realize how good they were, and to which it, can, it could work in both ways. But for those that need to realize... Okay, I'm kind of worried about this talented guy. He hasn't performed in three weeks. Just to tell the audience, how do you guys, how would you preach patience to the to our listening audience? The best way to do it is to just take it one week at a time, mm-hmm. especially in April and May. Like Take a guy like Cedric Mullins, for example. He didn't really come on until late May and then really kicked it into gear in June and then basically for the rest of the year. So you have to give guys a chance to actually, like especially these northern teams, they're hitting in snowstorms. And then, you know, by the time May kicks around and the weather turns, you know, all of a sudden their ball starts carrying and a guy like Bryce Harper can go on a tear. So you really have to take it when we get a time. When it comes to trades, just the biggest tip is don't try to win every trade. Target your guy and get him. It does. It, um, it doesn't really matter, like, in the end, as long as you're getting the value that you think you're going to get, don't try to either, you know, rob your opponent or give up too many players or get too many players in return just to try to make a deal work. Let it happen. Make sure it's fair for both sides. Because in the end, that's what's better for the league and for the both of you. That's what you're trying to do with a trade. You're trying to improve your team. But the only way you can do that is by improving somebody else's team. I wouldn't personally make trades too early in the season. At least May is probably the beginning. I would do that mid-May. Only because, like I said, you never know which players are going to come out of their shells once the weather starts warming up. So that's kind of my advice. Yeah, I'm the guy that announces to the league, I'm not making a deal for at least the first six weeks, plain and simple. I mean, unless I'm going to do something like give up somebody like a Aaron Nola for like a Vlad Jr., like mm-hmm. I'm just, I'm not going to make a deal for the first six weeks because it takes time for these guys to come out of spring training really get used to pitchers that are actually trying to get them out as opposed to pitchers that are just trying to find ourselves in spring training. You know, so I'm that guy. You know, it's Alex got mad at me like 15 times last year. He's like, why not? Let's make the trade. Well, that, only because you had a surplus of DHs. <laughs> right, you know? I did. But it was like I didn't know which one was going to do what. You know what I mean? So sure. It's like you got to let things sort themselves out. And baseball is such a long season. It's like the one sport where you can actually wait for that to happen. And the other thing, too, is, like, you get guys that come out, like, way above their head where they're going to be at the end of the year, at the beginning of the year. You know, you see it with teams all the time. Like, I forget, it was, like, maybe five years ago, the White Sox were a bad baseball team and were something like eight games up by, like, the end of April. And it was like, Mm -hmm. we know the White Sox aren't going to win the American League Central. I think that was the year Cleveland went on to win to get to the World Series when the Cubs won, if I recall correctly. Mm -hmm. Either way, baseball just – it's one of those weird sports where it takes a while for it to settle in. So you don't jump on a move, and you don't really sit back and trust what you see at the beginning of the year most of the time. That strategy has tended to work for me over the years. Now, sometimes I'm wrong, just like, you know, I'm wrong with draft picks, and, you know, 
trades and stuff like that. But you just, in my opinion, it's always better to wait in baseball. Now, as the year goes on, there's a guy that you might have drafted very highly. And if it's like, I don't know, the beginning of June and he's hitting 190, he's struck out twice as much as he walked. He's got five home runs and only like 20 RBIs. But you know there's a guy in the league that likes him? Trade him. Like, don't get married to a player. I traded Garrett Cole last year. Mm-hmm. You know, when he was, what do you have, two losses? Well, that, yeah, you partly trade him because of uh, the sticky stuff. Right. You know, but I mean, that would, came out like after the fact. Oh, I thought it was, okay. I thought it was you know, it was like right after the fact. But I mean, there was rumors flying around. Oh, but, of course. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. The point is, is that he was like the legit American League Cy Young winner when I made the deal. But mm-hmm. I got, you know, a really good return for him. So I made the deal. I solidified my lineup and I still had enough pitching depth to where my team was competitive. So, you know, don't get married to players. A lot of times when you make a deal, you're doing it to improve your team. But remember, you got to give something up. If you're in a league to where the owners vote on a trade, absolutely, in my opinion, cannot say, oh, well, this guy got the, p- the best player in a trade, so he automatically won a trade. That is completely not true. Thank you. I- I think in the Garrett Cole trade, I think I got Jose Ramirez, Whit Merrifield, and I think I got no uh, Syndergaard back in that deal. I forget exactly what the terms were. I, I think you're thinking about two separate deals because uh, Julio Urias was also involved with like Syndergaard. I, no, right. and Trey Mancini was somewhere involved. Right, right, right. It, yeah, it's it, it, all Jose, good players. Though. Right, but yeah, because I draft well. But, well, so did I, obviously, if you tried well, to... Well, you can't draft an elite pitcher. I'm not going to say, oh, I'm going to spend a fifth and sixth and seven yeah, round pick. No. I I don't like elite pitchers. Where do you see what I do this year? Oh, here we go. <laughs> Let here me get a side already. Here we go. Love but it. yeah, like I said, just, you, you know, it, it's not always the, the team that receives the best player that wins a trade. You really got to look at both rosters and see what the players being received are going to do for that roster. Mm-hmm. And if it makes sense, it makes sense. If it doesn't make sense, then that's where you throw your hand up and you say, wait a minute, what are you thinking here? Have the discussion, and, you know, maybe there's a good reason for it. Maybe there's not. You know, we all play in leagues where we have a couple of guys who just flat out don't know what they're doing. And, <laughs> you know, every year. Right. So when those guys are the ones making trades, you know, the red flag goes up. Mm-hmm. You know, most of the time you can tell the owners that actually know what they're talking about a little bit. And if they're making a deal that might not look right, just ask them. And look at, you know, the total aspect of what it's going to do to the teams that are receiving players. I mean, I could definitely comment, you know, Zach Wheeler for Freddie Peralta, Steven Matz, and Luis Robert, before he came back from injury, got vetoed for, I don't know, because, you know, Zach Wheeler's just praised in this city. He did finish second inside Young voting. Okay, but at the same time, Freddie Peralta's not a bum, though. But Zach Wheeler is undeniably better. Undeniably, yeah, that's why I had to give up more pieces. And which Luis Robert had not enough. <laughs> well, that's because you guys are like, oh my god, Zach Wheeler, oh my god, Zach Wheeler, oh my god, Zach Wheeler. Like, come on, Luis Robert had one of the best Septembers in all of baseball. I mean, it, come on. You made the trade in like mid August. How were people? It was right before the deadline, but he, but people knew he was going to come back. I mean, if Jimenez right. came back, you know, you and, and Robert was going to be just a month behind him. So I don't know when it comes to when it comes to Phillies players and you're in the city field, they might get too attached if uh, like Bill was saying they were. In the better player. Didn't I trade you Aaron Nola? So <laughs> was that you? Or, uh, no, it was, was you. That was me. So yeah. don't don't. No, but people being attached. No, but people are starting to jump off the Nola bear right. They have been for like the past few years. Okay, that's good. Because like, that so, means he's going to drop in value, and there goes a very good value pick because Aaron Nola. He might not be like the you know Roy Halladay that everybody thought he was going to be, but 
he's still going to be a good pitcher. Well, actually, I will say, and this is what actually would be a good piece of advice before I get into player evaluation. Definitely taking the ballpark for account, like because he is in a hitter's park. Now, Zach Wheeler, it seemed like you know he was just dominant that whole year. But when it comes to a guy like Aaron Noah with a high fly ball percentage, that might affect him. So I'm like I love Noah. I think I had him maybe in 2018 and maybe 2019. But when it comes to him, I'm like. I don't know what's happened to that guy. You know, like, he gave up a whole, uh, 0-2 pitch home run to Vlad Guerrero Jr. I hate 0-2 pitch hits, let alone home runs. You're supposed to strike the guy out. Weak contact. And he's like, no, I'm going to give him a hanging breaking ball. Like, what are you doing? You are in, like, what, his sixth or seventh season? That's that's unacceptable to me. And, and and I know when it comes to pitchers, they can easily get on my nerves, like, walking a guy after you, what, 0-2 count, and you walk him because you're trying to strike him out? Like, give me a break. I mean, give, me, give me a break. Like, hopefully you have some things that uh, take you off, like it does me. Because you're, you're very tough on pitchers. I am very <laughs> tough on pitchers. Because when it comes down to it, it's your job. Like, 0-2, you don't have to strike the guy out. You can have zero strike. That's all I care about. But you're supposed to introduce some weak contact. Let's have a little friendly debate, then, if it's their job to strike them out. Quality, quality starts here. <laughs> Wouldn't you say it is a pitcher's job to go out there and go at least five innings and give up three runs or less? Shouldn't every pitcher in baseball be able to do that? But I'm not. Uh, I'm not going to expect a Matt Moore or I don't know a Dylan Bundy. A, he is oh, a major oh, Dylan Bundy, the guy you tried trading me for Alvarez straight up <laughs> week into the season. He had a hot first month. I knew he was going to suck from that on. Yeah, I bet he's done quality starts in that first. He month. was actually. He was. But here's the here's the thing. I uh, and quality starts is is debated, especially when you know you have a, a, a old traditionalist. Or not even traditions, but just a person like Scott. It's just you don't have pitchers going six innings these days, you know. And when it comes to uh, now, when it comes to Degrom, you're going to expect that each and every time. But does he always? Meet? It's 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 rare for him not to. But I wouldn't say he's going to do it always. Like pitchers have their blowups, yeah. and it, and, I, and I'm going to say it's it's not that easy these days, especially with the resurgence of home runs and it just a, a resurgence of offense. That it's not as easy going that sixth inning, giving up that third run. And plus, think about, you know, analysts, you're supposed to, oh, we can't, fade, this pitcher can't see this guy going into the lineup for the third time. We got to take him out, like a Blake Snell. And I definitely don't recommend Blake Snell because for some reason, Kevin Cash got to Jace Tingler, which then they replaced their manager. I don't even know who the manager is for the Padres now. But point is that when it comes to quality starts, it's at least better than wins where DeGrom throws, I don't know, eight shutout innings and still gets handed a loss because the one run was scored on error. Like, come on. Like, we, we can't have, we can't have that. You get a loss in a DeGrom owner, like, that's totally unfair. And, and it's just like, and or, you know, you don't get a win or uh, quality stuff because you don't have quality stars and you say, uh, and your closer for the Mets, like, I don't know, Jerry's familiar. When I had DeGrom, and I hate familiar for this, he cost me like four or five wins <laughs> because when DeGrom won the first, his first side, he, he had, ended up with a 10 9 uh, win loss. Right. That's totally unacceptable. So, when it comes to quality stars, I do think I would preach it, but not everyone's going to. I agree with me on that. I will say in fantasy, I have come around to that quality starts do make oh, more sense. Oh, you don't say. However, as a baseball traditionalist, I feel like the stats shouldn't even exist because it bails out bad. It, ba- it, ba- it bails out bad pitchers, and it makes mediocre pitch- pitchers look way better than they actually are. So I don't support it as a like a stat. I support it only like in fantasy because you are right. Six innings, three earned runs. I would prefer it be like six innings, two earned runs, seven innings. Three earned runs, like make it below an ERA of four, 
But unfortunately, they just put it as six yeah. innings and three earned runs. And it's just like, okay, that's definitely a definite start, which is okay. It could be much worse. But at the same time, like, you can't value, I don't know, a win when, you know, they give up seven earned runs. And that yeah. does, that especially in chorus, has happened before. Do you have anything on the discussion, Bill? <laughs> no, I mean, you know, I was kind of like Scott where I was, you know, a fan of wins and hated quality start because, again, it rewards mediocrity, in my opinion. But, you know, with the way that this game is played, you know, and in my opinion, the game is being managed and played at a very, very low level compared to what I grew up. I'd imagine I'm probably older than most of the people that are listening to this, but I remember watching Steve Carlton, Tom Seaver, Nolan Ryan, all I, these guys do. I wish I saw them play. Right. I really so don't. it's like, Robin you know. Roberts. <laughs> Robin Roberts. I need that old man. <laughs> you know, it's just, you know, some of the guys I grew up watching, you know, and then I see a guy that can throw the ball 103 miles an hour but throws 15 straight balls or something like that. It's like it, it, it's not good baseball compared to what I grew up watching. And I know I sound like I'm a real old-timer with that, but, you know, I remember when the St. Louis Cardinals were called the running Redbirds mm. and Vince Coleman sold like 130 bases every year. <laughs> it's like, you know, where's the stolen base? Where is the sack fly? Like yeah. all these things that produce runs have left the game in favor of launch angle. Which just basically means that you need to hit a fly ball further than you know a fly out. I'm t- I actually am a big fan of small ball. Like if I'm playing like a video game, I actually do support. Like you just gotta get that run home, especially in the playoffs. But uh, just speaking of no Ryan, just a quick note: the win actually ruined Ryan's chances of winning a Cy Young. He has no Cy Young to on his resume, and it's mostly right. because he was not really on that many winning teams, which also supports the notion that he also didn't win. Well, I think he maybe had one ring early on in his career. Yeah, he. I think it went one with the Mets. Uh, yeah, it was. Like that's a belief. He was on the '69 Mets with uh, Kuzman, Seaver, and I forget who the, the other pitcher Mets. was. Yeah, yeah, the Miracle Mets. Like he was a weak pitcher. He wasn't. He wasn't right. no line. He was still, on the, team, yeah. he was right. still on the right. team. So that's that's the thing. He hasn't truly won a World Series ring for himself. But what I will say, just going piggybacking on what they just said about uh, talented players in the draft. So you brought up Cedric Mullins as your example. I actually, I actually got heard dropping Christian Yelich the year he won his MVP. Because when you saw that year, he was not good in April or May. He was terrible. But, but then he had a, an unbelievable June. second half. And, and also June, yes, yeah. before the All-Star break. So, so you really, on guys who you know are talented, you spend a second round or a third round pick, maybe even a fourth round pick. You want to really stay patient with those guys. Or they can, I'm not sure if I won that league or not, probably with you know people being inactive. I probably did. But <laughs> but still, when it comes to inactive, when it comes to inactivity, yeah, please, hopefully, with fantasy baseball, I know it's not football, but hopefully you do have some active people. But with Yelich, that can really stink. Especially when, you know, you trade Robbie Ray away and before he wins to Cy Young, I was kind of like doubting his ability to keep that up through the entire season but then when it comes to trading you're right I, I it trade if it makes sense early on in the season like you clear like a, a clear opportunity or maybe you're a big fan of someone don't just tr- draft and trade for guys if you're a Mets fan or a Phillies fan like hopefully it's not just diversify a little bit different teams but definitely be patient in that first few weeks I will say if you feel like you can buy low or you can sell high like I was trying to do with with these guys I, I definitely encourage that even though you might hear someone say I'm gonna wait a little bit which again makes sense you do want to play the long game but at the same time take the sample size to your advantage if you know what you're doing that they're going to get cold or they're going to get hot and possibly that you couldn't draft them around later because they they were taken but hopefully then you can maybe trade a late round pick because they're just doing so bad in the month of april now i just want to talk about a little bit not too much on streaming because i love streaming and it's just apparent and it should happen it doesn't always happen in every fantasy league 
but when it comes to streaming, you should go for hold a certain... Hold on a second. Yeah. Hey, hey, um, please define streaming, because I'm sure there's going to be a lot of new listeners here. They may not understand what that's that term true. streaming means. That's true, actually. That's a really good point. Thank you. I didn't even... I meant to do that, and I actually didn't. So when, uh, so when it comes to streaming, it's basically taking a hitter, taking a pitcher because you have an open roster spot available or you don't have all your starters starting for that day. You could even stream closers technically, even though, like if they have a doubleheader, even though that's really tricky to do. Basically, you just keep on doing that every day because you want to optimize as many points that you have. So not just from the... T- Maybe it's, you're not confident in your team and you want to you know like make sure you can get a win from it. Because I, when it comes down to I'm like, oh, this guy's a tough matchup. If I can add a win, if I can add a quality start, if I can add a home run on a Monday or Thursday, which is optimal if you're, if you're streaming hitters and, you, and you're not too comfortable with like a pitching matchup for that certain day. But when it comes to streaming, definitely do it if you have someone to drop. Like don't drop anyone good to, to stream. You need to have an open roster spot. And you really want to go for certain categories, like high point categories, certain go for wins, or you may want to go for stolen base. The stolen base, I think, would be the easiest one if you know that someone gets on base and they are pretty fast. Batting average is tough depending on the pitching matchup. You definitely do want to look at uh, like their history. Like like when it comes down to it, I, I may be the only one that does this, and maybe you guys do, but I actually look up like how is this hitter against this pitcher in their history. And if they have a bad matchup, I might actually bench them. Now, if they're really good, you should probably keep them in. But at the same time, if I see someone like, oh, you know, like if you're if you're seven for nine in your career against this pitcher, I, I want you in, in my lineup, whether or not you're on my team. And of course, if, if you're talking about training for the guy, then that trade takes one day. That's not going to happen. So when it comes to streaming, do so in a way in which you know it's uh, not going to kill you with the transaction limits. It's not going to kill you when it comes to, you know, if you're if you're dropping a player that you love. Fact of the matter is, is that you need to know your transaction limits. If it's seven, you really want to question it. I would say two on the Sunday. Uh, on the Sunday, maybe you could set it up on Monday. You could get a long-term roster guy. That's definitely valuable. Robbie Ray wasn't drafted. I remember getting him during his Cy Young cam- uh, campaign. You know, that, like if you know someone's going to be great, definitely don't mind using a, a transaction on them, but if you don't have transaction limits, I would say yeah, all hell's broken loose, and you should definitely stream and, and maximize your amount of points. Because I understand it does look like oh, here goes that guy again. You know, it's kind of like frowned upon, but don't care about what people think. I d- just care about you getting the win and and whatever comes along with it. Now, don't do it if you know there's a cost to transactions, and you know there are some leagues out there that do that. Uh, we have to pay a certain amount for each transaction. It's kind of stupid, but it's out there. But at the same point in time, it, it take it, it as long as you have everything at disposal, you know everything, then do so with the right balance, the right amount, and also for the right purpose. Of course, you just want it to win a certain category. You want to win that fifth or sixth category, or you want to maximize, which then could help your tiebreaker, or of course, the most amount of points. But do you guys, uh, I know you guys are not as big as me when it comes to streaming. Do you guys have any certain advice that could help uh, no, anyone I am, listening? I am absolutely as big as you are on streaming. <laughs> um, I wasn't as engaged for certain reasons last year, but as you saw when I was engaged, I was making 10 to 15 moves a week, mm-hmm. uh, usually with pitching, just because I think that winning pitching stats is very valuable. But yeah, I mean, streaming is definitely a technique that I think that, you know, with unlimited roster moves, you know, even if there is a transaction attached to it, as long as you can afford it, don't make yourself go broke over fantasy sports. That's just crazy. You know, by all means, you know, if you can get, say, 25 starts from your pitching during the course of a week where your opponent is only getting seven and it's a straight points league, 
I mean, you're going to win your pitching just because of that alone. You're going to have more strikeouts. You're going to have more innings pitched. You give your ch- yourself a chance to get more wins. You know, all those things matter. So, yeah, I'm a huge fan of streaming. So, I mean, I'm 100% on board with what you're saying. Mm-hmm. Streaming is only frowned upon in smaller leagues, and not everybody's doing it because then what happens is the way the waiver wire and free agent pool dries up because too many guys are on waivers, and you don't have enough spots. If it resets and go down to the bottom, you're not getting anybody else. It's just the way it is. Mm-hmm. Although I will, I I'm in favor of streaming. I'm okay, I'm okay with it. It's not the strategy. I mean, maybe I do it a little bit, but not to the extent that the both of you do it. I would stream maybe catchers or weaker positions, starting pitchers because I'm I prefer to draft starting by a strong foundation of starting pitchers. I'm not really going to stream them because I simply don't have the roster space to do it. I would, I would stick to weaker positions for streaming, but really take note of this goes back to knowing your league settings. If they only allow a certain number of transactions or they charge per transactions, streaming may not be for you, but in, in leagues where it's unlimited or you get a lot per week and it's free, I would definitely recommend streaming because like Bill said, you're simply going to have a lot more opportunities for points. Mm-hmm. I'm actually kind of surprised that you say you don't like to stream pitching because usually when it comes to uh, points leagues, that's when you know that's where the money maker yeah. is. You know, like last year wins was uh, was ten points. You know, when it comes to our league, you you have quality starts being at three, and then what wins being at five. You have a potential Other to get what so what quality it's starts five. Quality starts five, and then wins at three. So, it, but still, you have uh, an opportunity to get eight points there. For, yeah. uh, and then of course, how well did they do? How many strikeouts? So definitely, when it comes down to it, again, definitely know your league settings, and and that definitely helps you throughout what we're talking about and the one thing I do want to say too uh, when it comes to player evaluation drafting trading setting your lineup look at players splits like if you have a starting pitcher who's not good against a certain point I don't know why you you may really have to say to yourself is it going to be worth playing this pitcher or maybe how they do last month are they going to rebound this month or maybe they they're better in higher months like look at their career splits look at what they did last year if we don't have enough info for the season I love player slips. It just gives so much context to an unknown situation and which then it can make, help you make a better decision in your lineup and going forward, making draft pick, making trades, or it, or it might it might help you predict better, basically. And, and of course, decision-making is involved with that. And then, of course, you guys will, of course, agree with me on this one. Set your lineup every day, please. Please, yes. people. I mean, if you have to do it like with Yahoo, if you have to push a button and it sets you out through the entire week like it does for fantasy basketball, I'm all for that. If you have to manually set it, you have to do it then. Just set a lineup, and hopefully it stays Because I know if, with, again, fantasy basketball, if you add someone or you take someone off I.O., that the, it, then the lineup's reset, and you have to, like, unfortunately go back and do it again, which, again, for Yahoo is pushing a button, but for ESPN and other platforms or CBS, they give you the option of, do, of doing it manually and then doing so in the future. So you can choose what days to do it uh, because you don't really, if you have days off on Monday and Thursday, maybe early in the season, and it's going to be a weird season. They're they're uh, compressing 162 and starting later. So I'm not sure if they're going to make it a week back or trying to get press season. But at the same time, with the days off, it's usually Monday and Thursday, and you want to make sure that you're not benching someone that is um, that's starting on 
you know, you had space to, to start them. Because, unfortunately, you're going to make decisions that you're going to bench someone and you had no space in your roster because everyone's playing that day. Like, you know, you're going to have to bench someone that hits a home run. You're going to bench someone. that This is rare for someone pitches. But if you have all your starters pitching, then you're going to have to bench a starter, in which then they might have uh, you might have benched the wrong one. But, again, when it comes down to it, you don't want to bench players that are playing on days in which you actually had an open lineup spot for them. So, please, please set your lineup. And Just, you know, touching up on what AA was just saying right there. I mean, look, you joined up to do something competitive. You paid for it. Yeah, a lot of us play in cash leagues or whatever. So, it's like, if you signed up to do something competitive, be competitive, even if your team is having a rough year. You know, it's you owe it to the other owners to make sure that you're out there trying to compete. Because although you may say, I'm in last place, and I'm playing the guy that's in first place, it doesn't matter. Well, guess what? What if the guy that is in first place wins only because you didn't start your lineup, so to speak, and then that gives them a bye if you know only one team gets a bye, or it gives them a tiebreaker to where it recedes in the playoffs? I mean, you just really messed it up for pretty much every other owner in the league by doing that. So, yes, please, please, please put a legit starting lineup in every day. Just do not let your roster go weeks without starting a lineup. Yeah, like you said, you owe it to the other owners. If you're not going to follow it for the entire season, don't play. I mean, it's one of those things. You wouldn't do it in fantasy football. We all know that nobody does that in fantasy football. So... Why are you going to join somebody's baseball league? Nonetheless, pay for it, even if it's a free league. It's unfair to the other owners that, especially if you followed it early in the season, maybe you got a couple wins, maybe you're four and eight at the halfway point, and then now you stop following. Now all the other owners get free wins, but they lost to you. You know, then you're altering the course of the league, and it's just at this point, it's just follow it. It takes five minutes a day if you're if it's not a weekly lineup to just set your lineup. And forget about it. You don't have to do all the research. You don't even have to make pickups. Just set your lineup so it's fair to everybody. Mm-hmm. And now let me um, change a little bit of course here. I definitely do want to, like, I guess maybe make a Reese Hoskins shot in it. That that consistency matters. If your players are not consistent, you're gonna you're 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 going to be on the wrong side of the bridge for me. Because when it comes down to it, talented players, I understand, go through those slumps. But to do it in a way that's so predictable like a Reese Hoskins, I don't think by that point I want to deal with a player like that. So if you know that, like, oh, this player is hot and they've stayed hot, you definitely want to start that player, pick up that player, trade for that player. Uh, the player is not doing well. You could tell, like, this is just not their season. You, ha- you have the go-ahead to, to drop them. But consistency throughout the season matters. That You want to have clarity. And it don't let someone like a Dylan Bundy last year where on the Angels, you know, was is he going to pick it up? Is he going to get back? on track or is he just he's going to give up five or six earned runs each and every start you have to know at some point that consistency matters and you got to follow trends you got to follow patterns not just when it comes to the stats so definitely when it comes down to consistency matters but the one thing i want to ask and i know we're not talking about the draft but do you have like any personal sleepers any bus like or, or just players in general that you have that are like oh i've always loved this guy or i'm not a huge fan of this guy there is a lot of i mean without giving any specific names Simply because we all the three of us play in a league together. Well, if you hate a guy, then you know the, you're not giving any. Oh well, no, it's guys that I like, and really, it's Tampa Bay Rays pitchers. The way they develop their pitchers down there, they are bound to do very well. I mean, outside of Tyler Glass now, who's an ace in of himself, even even the rest of the guys, Shane McClanahan and Boz, like those are they're uh, they're more than likely going to take a step forward just because that's what happens with Rays pitchers. 
So it's maybe finding the, I would guess, call it storylines like that. Mm. Teams who are good at developing a specific position or developing players in particular. That's kind of the value you need to find. And relating it back to the draft, you know, like you said about consistency. You know, when I say pick it safe, you know, those are the type of guys you want. Guys who you know are going to go out there and give you, like Bryce Harper, for example. I mean, he's a superstar, obviously, but you know what he is. He's going to go out there. He's going to bat 300. He's going to give you, you know, 30 home runs and, you know, 80 to 100 RBIs, depending on the season. Mm -hmm. That's what he's going to do. He's not going to have these superhuman Vlad Jr. seasons or Mike Trout seasons. But he's consistent, and that's all you can hope for in fantasy. Because in the end, setting your lineup, it's about minimizing risk. So, you, so, so before I get to you, Bill, and if you want to comment, Scott, that's fine. I, I, I should have brought up this question. This is actually a classic question. Do you go for a high ceiling or a high floor? Because you can make the argument for either one. Early in the draft is high floor. Late in the draft is high ceiling. Okay. It's, and then, you you, you got to stay safe. And then in the end, with guys who you're probably going to cut anyway, mm-hmm. you can kind of shoot for the stars. I think it's rather simple. I like those who are in a hitter's park. And I don't like pitchers who are in a hitter's park. And you, you're like, I wouldn't take Jermon Marquez because you have to deal with course field. But Charlie Blackman and CJ Chrome might be a sleeper. You know, you really do want to know, like, what's a pitcher's park? What's a hitter's park? And then, of course, if the guy's talented, he should still be fine anyway. But when it comes down to it, ballparks definitely do matter. Right. I mean, I really don't have much to add to that. I pretty much agree with everything that was just said. The only thing that I would add is just pay attention to like the people that may get called up because you may be able to find a lot of value and consistency there. Like uh, Wander Franco last year, I mean, you know, mm-hmm. came out played really well. Yeah, that's weird actually. So I didn't talk about uh, prospects that much. How you, how do you actually would you be one of those owners that like uh, takes up a roster spot for a number one prospect? Like a Ronder Franco, like I think this year might be Billy with uh, with Junior. So yeah. which then do you actually draft him? Do you actually like hold roster because you don't know when he's going to come up? Like, do you think it's worth it? In my opinion, you know, because I do follow minor league baseball a little bit more than what most people would, unless they live in a town like Reading, where you know that's where you know you're going to watch baseball. Yeah, I mean, it depends on the player. I mean, like Bryce Harper, Mike Trout came up in the same year. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, I used roster spots with my first two cuts that year to put them both on the roster and sat on them until they came up. And coincidentally, I mean, that fared really well for me. So it really depends. I mean, like, you know, those guys were about as can't miss as you could find. You know, it's, you just got to pay attention. Um, Even with Wander Franco, as good as he is, you know, I had asked you last year, I said, do you think that he is really going to be able to make consistent contact at the major league level? Mm-hmm. I knew he was going to be very good in the field, yeah. but, you know, hitting-wise, I wasn't sure. You told me. You were like, I really don't know. And I was like, well, you know, let me take a chance on him. And yeah. whatever that deal was that we made, the 17 deals that we made. <laughs> and, and, and you kept him, right? Like, you didn't, like, Yeah, I kept him on my roster the whole year. So, I mean, you know, it just it worked out. You know, you're going to have some guys that, you know, like, for example, Dominic Brown – who was, you know, very highly rated, but he went out there and he was very inconsistent. You know, we'd have that week where he went out there and hit nine home runs in the minors and everybody fell in love with him, but then nobody talked about the three weeks where he only got a couple of hits or, you know, didn't hit any home runs. Nothing against DB. I mean, great guy, you know. We know him on a, you know, professional level. Really awesome dude, but, um, you know, that goes back to the consistency and the risk that you take when you do the uh, guys from the minors, but... You know, it's just you got to pay attention to it, just like you would a major league player, and you got to follow it a little bit more because they're not on TV every night. But you can definitely find gems in the minor 
it's really hard unless you pay attention. Mm-hmm. Now, let me ask you guys three specific draft questions before moving on to our last two topics. And this is only because I've done mock drafts before. And this is kind of like, you know, and, and hopefully, if you don't want to give it away, if you want to plead the Fifth Amendment, that's fine. But uh, but I said this before. I did the Fantasy Baseball recap last year. It's one of my first, like, uh, like five or six episodes. Uh, I said I don't think Shohei Tanya. I don't think I would pick him number one overall because he too uh, too too hurt. You know, with like that being on his resume, I know he had a hell of a season. I'm not sure if I really trust anything that's on the Angels. I mean, I just have to see it to believe it. Don't forget, no single sign there. So I, I like I'm not sure if there's like a curse, a black a black cloud hanging over them. Would you guys draft uh, Shohei Otani number one overall, or would you say? I'm going to go with the field, whether that may be Guerrero, whether that may be Soto, Trout, you know, that, that's like more around the second round because, again, the injury concerns. Would you draft Shohei Otani uh, number one overall, or does it, or is it like this is kind of like a trap? I wouldn't take him first overall, and in all reality, I probably also don't take him in the first five, six picks. He's the type of player, like like you said, he's inconsistent, but he he's, he's a very good hitter. I am not sold on his pitching ability, really, at all. Really? I think a lot of people out there are, you know, just wowed by the fact that's, that there's a player doing both. And that is that is very difficult to do, especially at the professional level. But at the same time, it is fantasy. And we take this, you know, as serious as we choose to do, that I, I simply mm-hmm. think there are f- players far more valuable in the first five picks that you can take over Shohei Otani. I mean, even Mike Trout. You, we know what he does when healthy. If we're going to take a risk with an injured player, I would probably take Mike Trout. Really? You know, it's pro- a backlash without him. I'm sure, but it's it's guys like that. I mean, Vlad Jr. is another guy. He, I mean, not hurt, but you know, a top pick who should go early. You know, even Ronald Acuna, like Fernando Tatis. I mean, this is these are just bat- these are just batters. These aren't even you know the pitchers that you could take because early they on. do play every day. Yeah. Yes. So it's guys like that. I'm not taking Shohei Otani early. It's not to say I won't take him. Like if I have probably eighth, ninth pick, and he's there, I probably take him. But I'm, I'm sure. certainly not taking him in the first five. So I'm not sure what's going to get more backlash: that comment with the Mike Trout, or the fact that you're a Cowboys fan in a Philly town where you also like the Phillies, Flyers, and Sixers. Yeah, you know. Yeah, uh, Bill. Uh, what about you? Would you take him number one overall? No, I top three. Probably not top three either. Okay, so, so you're with me. Top five. Uh, no, no, top five was my next thing. Not off the top of my head, no. And I know that this probably sounds and crazy. And you're over here shaking your head while I'm telling you I wouldn't take a top Because we're talking about my trout and Machas go like around like the 20th overall pick. And I'm going to get to DeGrom with my next question. That's but criminal um, if he's really going 20th. Right, because again, the injury concerns. Um, he's been steadily... Taking that. Fernando Tatis has injury concerns. He's been compared he to, go I've heard him too? compared to Clayton Kershaw with like the sale decline because of injuries. Well, like, Mike Trout is also like you know six years younger than. Listen, last year we talked about if you get the first pick, who are you taking? And I told you guys I'm not taking Mike Trout with the first pick either. Yeah, and I wouldn't do that. Probably. Well, there's a lot of people that did last year, and you I know, think he went first in our league. He went first Christian, in our league. Yeah, yes, and you know, shout out to Christian. Right. And I'm not trying to say that, like, you know, Otani and Trout aren't great players. I mean, Trout is a surefire Hall of Famer, probably first ballot, you know, barring some kind of catastrophic injury that's going to cut his career short. Otani's probably going to end up in Cooperstown, too, I would imagine. But in terms of the first-round pick, you know, we're talking fantasy. We're not talking about, like, real on-field baseball. I know the numbers translate to get you points. I I mean, Otani is a first-round pick, depending on how I feel with the draft, which is a big thing with me. I don't know. I'm probably not even taking him in the first half of the draft, even if it's 12-team lead, to be honest with you. 
But I, I probably if, if that's the kind of guy you like, I mean, go for it. I mean, everybody's got different, you know, feelings on different players. Yeah, so then my next... So I, I probably would by that point, like seven, eight, six. Again, with number one overall, it feels like it's almost like a, a booby chat, you know? Like, right, like, I mean, like, it's like last that's, year that's I like, had the sixth pick and I landed Soto, which, you know, yeah. it's like... Otani's probably in that same category, a guy that, you know, is more talented than where he's going to be drafted. He'll probably fall a little bit. But. And who was your first-round pick, Scott? Uh, Jacob DeGrom. So now getting into that question, I've seen with Machas fall into the second round, maybe even the third round because That's criminal. It's criminal. <laughs> so would you pay, would you pick him the first round though? Jacob DeGrom probably not this year. I'm actually more concerned about his injuries than I am Mike Trout's. Really? That's... Well, because because he he had almost the second half to rest. It's a, it's easier for position players about backs for injuries and pitchers, especially pitchers with arm and shoulder injuries. Yes, yeah, true. You know, you, we don't know if Jacob DeGrom is going to be the same. I mean, he's still probably going to be dominant, but there's plenty of other good pitchers out there that I could take in the first. Not saying I will. You know, if I were to take, you know, I could take Garrett Cole, you know. Scherzer? I don't know that i take Scherzer in the first. I, I mean, it, City, a city field is a pitcher's park. It is. I don't know that i take him in the first, though. But there, like, there's plenty of aces out there that you can take. I think this year it's my strategy is a little shifted. I may go batter first and then pitcher the next two rounds. I haven't decided yet. Yeah, no, of course you didn't. <laughs> uh, I would take in the late part of the first round without a doubt. I think that by that point it's a steal. I mean, Degrom, I know, but he rested enough. I think like he didn't play at all August and September. I feel like you know he had enough of a time period there where he just did not play. And I know position players are not wrong, but I mean he just. Just took a, they were really cautious with him. I felt like that benefit for this upcoming season. Right. I mean, if I were in a ten team league, if I got eight, nine, ten, I mean, how do I pass up on like Degrom and Garrett Cole to start? Thank I mean, you. you know, it's like, you know, in football, you know, if you can get Devontae Adams and then like Tariq Hill like on the turn at the end of the first, beginning of the second, I mean, like you, you would just be foolish to pass that up. You, you just. Even if they get hurt or have down years, you still take your chances. There's just too much value there. Mm-hmm. And the last player I want to bring, because we were just talking about Wander Franco, I saw, I've saw i seen him and also Robbie Wright go in the second round. Do you think that's a little bit too high for them? Because, of course, with Franco, it's all about you know his potential and his ability. Felt like, you know, it seems, again, almost like a trap there. With Robbie Wright, I understand going with St. Uh, uh, Go Field, Mariners trying to, like, um, or maybe it's T-Mobile Park now, but, but, but they definitely revamped the whole lineup with the Winkler and Suarez trade. I'm just like, I'm not sure if I, it's worth a second-round pick. Do you guys agree with me? And also Franco, too. I would be more comfortable taking Robbie right in the second round than Wander Franco, mm-hmm. only because, you know, he's a veteran. And like you said, the Mariners revamped their lineup, so he'll, it looks like he'll get a little bit of support. He probably doesn't, you know, have the incredible season he just had, mm-hmm. but he's still a good pitcher. I would be. I'm not sure that I would do it, but I would be more comfortable. Wander Franco, he's still young. I mean, he's he's probably going to be good, but I think there's more valuable players you could take in the second round than him. Do you believe in the sophomore slump? That's basically my question, my attachment with Franco, though. It depends on the player. I mean, I do believe it. It's, it exists, but not every player goes through it. Mm-hmm. Bill. I don't know. I mean, is there a run of shortstops that happen in the first, second turn? And <laughs> Franco's the best one. fell into the second round in our draft last year. Right. That's and now he might we fall idiots in the first round. Well, because he might fall into the fourth or fifth this season with now his three-month injury. Be, that would be insane. Well, no, because he, he's injured. 
No, he's not. I'm telling you that right now. In our league, he's not falling to the fourth or fifth. He'd I'm personally guaranteeing he'd that. He probably gets taken in the second if, if he doesn't if, get taken in the first. Well, if, if he's there in the third round, I'm taking a guy that could potentially be the best player I mean, at the hey, shortstop I mean, position. I, I, I'd love to. He helped me uh, make the playoffs right. in, in 2020, but the guy's hurt. You know what I mean? Right. And also Acuna, too. Acuna's a little bit different because I feel like he's got that, like, you can wait on him. With Tatis, seems like he's a guy that's almost crying. Like, he went on the IL two separate times. He did. Last season. So, I'm not sure. But he has an aggressive play style. Acuna's just an, a right. superstar. He is. You know? And he, and, he, and he dealt with a serious injury, and we thought the Braves and their mm-hmm. run was over. But with Tatis, it's like, with his aggressive play style... I'm like I'm not sure if I, uh, I should invest a right. second or third. On right, him. but but again, we're going back to how I said at the beginning of this when I said you have so many outfielders you can draft. You don't have so many shortstops you can draft. That's true. You have maybe ten that are going to be like legit starters at best, usually on a year-to-year basis. And if I can get a guy that has potential, even coming off a serious injury and having two stints on the IL last year, and plug him in around the All-Star break, good luck. Come mm-hmm. playoff time, you yeah. know, once, you know, we get the rust off, you know, you're basically going to get a guy that could potentially go top three in the third or fourth round. That is a no-brainer. Yeah. I mean, it really is. Mm-hmm. It's not like we're talking about a career-ending injury. Now, is he going to be the same player? I don't know, but I'm willing to take a risk for that kind of Yeah, talent. no, he's definitely talented. Yeah, there's like no doubt in my mind. I'm telling you, he's not going to last in the fifth round. So Bill's so, taking him. Okay, I, just yes, I'm going to take him if it's the third or fourth round, depending on how much like, I'm, I'm, I probably would take him at the earliest the fourth round. Uh, right. and, and, and again, it, the talent's <clears throat> there, but I'm like, I'm docking him two rounds because of the injury. That's right, right. Yeah, it's fine. If but he's there, he's not the third, going to I'm probably snagging him myself. Right. Yeah, you guys deal with the deal with his three months. Deal with it possibly four months. Because he has their future. He could potentially, they're telling us three months, it might be four months. It might be. Fernando right. Tatis is a guy. It's better to take him around too early than around too yes. late. Yes, you know? and, 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 and listen for the purpose of this podcast for that people that are out there listening. Look, it really all depends on your league settings too, your roster size, things like that. The if, IL spots, yeah, right? If if you're in a keeper league and you have the potential to, you know, for if somebody cut the guy for some reason, oh, that's right. Keepers. If you're in a keeper league and if you let a guy like really think about that you could potentially have the best player at a position that you passed on in the keeper league. Mm-hmm. Like, there yeah. is, like, no doubt in my mind that if he's keeper, there in the third or fourth round, like, I'm taking him. Keepers are very important. I, I didn't emphasize that. Really, you have to know if uh, if that is in the league's plans. So, I'm going to tie in these two with the last topics. I'm going to talk about the post-lockout. I'm going to give. I'm going to sign you guys a player just to tell me if they help themselves fantasy-wise based on last season, based on where they're going. Carlos Rendon, Scott, uh, you can take the first one. I love it. He went to San Francisco. Great pitcher's ballpark. I, I think he can at least repeat the good season that he had last year in 2021. I really like him. I would definitely draft him. I, I wouldn't reach for him, but when he's there, I would definitely take him. He could be a really strong you know, two-pitcher for your league, especially with San Francisco. San, San Francisco is a really good team. Gabe Kapler really knows what he's doing out there. Mm-hmm. So... They, they may not win 100 games again, but they're going to be a good team again, and I love the signing. Mm-hmm. And then, with Bill, you talked about Carlos Carrera earlier. Now, talk about the fancy impact with him and Sonny Gray now being on the Twins. You know, just looking at it on the surface, like, I think the Twins were a really good team. I just think that they, you know, underperformed. You know, this team won 103 games, you know, a couple of years ago, and I get it. Some players that were on that team aren't there anymore, but, I mean, Correa, really good shortstop. Not elite, you know, he's not Trey Turner or, you know, Seager or, you know, any of these other guys that you would have above him. But he is a very sound, fundamental shortstop, in my opinion. Gray, I mean, 
look, the Reds went for it. It didn't work out. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't think that he's an ace by any stretch of the imagination. I think that he's a very strong number three, a solid number two type pitcher. Um, and if you could throw something like that in your rotation, again, you know, depth of pitching is very, very important for, you know, fantasy, obviously, because, you know, you have so many things going on going back to the streaming. But, you know, for the Twins ourselves, yeah, I mean, I think that those were two good signings. Correa, yeah, I'm liking, you know, where he's at. I think he really helped himself for fantasy purposes. Great, the same thing, because I think the Twins are going to win a pretty decent amount of games. Mm -hmm. So, you know, just by default, I think that he's going to be a pretty good, uh, you know, pitcher to have on your roster. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to take Kenley Jansen going to the Braves. This definitely hurts Will Smith. Is he going to be the closer? Is it going to be Jansen? Is one of them going to set each other up? I think it's going to be Jansen. They paid him one year for, what, $15, which, of course, I wouldn't do for a lead pitcher. The Braves do win a lot. And Jansen does blow up. You say he has declined a little bit. He is definitely getting older. By Will, and, but they also did pay Will Smith. It, it, you know, is he going to really like going from a closer to setup? And Jansen hasn't really ever set up in his career, which of course then opens the door for Blake Trinan on the Dodgers. And of course, we're talking about two winning franchises here with the Braves and Dodgers. So definitely realize who's going to be the closer there because Dave Roberts might go to a committee, and and Snicker might go between Will Smith. And Kenley Jansen, depending on is it mostly lefties coming up in the ninth inning, mostly righties, he might switch it. So maybe it's both for, for them, depending on, again, what they say publicly and what experts are uh, and, and beat reporters are saying. Keep up with that and see it might be an avoidable uh, situation for you. Scott, being a Phillies fan, unfortunately, I can't uh, give them to both of you. But what about Cassianos and Kyle Schwarber going to the Phillies? The fantasy impact. I think they I think they both benefit from being in a hitter's ballpark and the support of the lineup around them though because there was already Harper, Romuto, Hoskins. There was already a decent looking lineup, even Segura. There was already a decent looking lineup and now I think they only benefit from that. The Phillies lineup tend to score a lot of runs anyway because they need to. I, I, I think Castellanos, I think he takes a step back. Last year was a career year. He's typically, you know, 270, 280 hitter. 80, 90 RBIs. I think you'll see that again. I think he'll come back down to earth. Schwarber, I'm not big on, but I think obviously he'll benefit from the ballpark and from the fact that you know Harper's hitting behind him. You know he'll mm-hmm. get he'll get the he'll get the chance to hit some. So I think they're both decent signings. I think they I think they would they would perform well for any fantasy lineup. Mm-hmm. And Bill, I'm going to give you a softball question here. He could have gone to the Phillies, but instead went to the best hitters park there is. Chris Bryant going to the Rockies. <laughs> All I could say is I think Chris Bryant is now focusing on getting to the Hall of Fame by making that move. And the Rockies as an organization, what are they doing? <laughs> I, I mean, look, I'm not going to knock him for signing Chris Bryant because, you know, he's a guy that I like. But you let a couple of guys go, you keep a couple of guys, and then you go out there. I don't know how you let Arenado and Trevor Story go and go sign Chris Bryant. What, what are they thinking? Yeah. They, I, they, I, they I was... paid $51 million to get rid of Nolan Arenado <laughs> right. and proceed to sign. Chris Bryant. But, but yeah, in terms of Chris Bryant, yeah, I just think he's trying to go out there and uh, compile some stats. Not that he couldn't have done that anywhere because I think he's just that good of a bat. But, I mean, like, why not go to Coors if you're trying to, like, really go out there and get to the Hall of Fame? I mean, smart move on his part. I didn't, I didn't think about that. It's it's closer to his, his family, to living in Nevada. So, right. that's a, I definitely, that's a really good point. For me, it's Matt Olson going to uh, the Braves. I had him last year in fantasy. I also have Radome, both great players. And he's going to be, the Phillies are going to fear this guy. If you fear Freddie Freeman, you're going to fear Matt Olson Because you're going, he's going from a hitter's park and did amazing. And now he's going into a more friendly hitter's park. Uh, and, I know, and I'm not too familiar with... Uh, 
with uh, with Turner or, Tr- or Trust Park, whichever one it is now. But when it comes to him, uh, taking him away from Oakland, now putting him in Atlanta, definitely much better environment. And also just a better, like, consistent lineup with Acuna, Albies, there's Swanson, and, and, and their, uh, Azunia, I, I, I presume, is coming back. Austin Riley. Riley, yeah, I couldn't even think about the third. You had him last year, so of course you de- definitely would think with that. Now, uh, now the last pairing, and, and all of them actually have to deal with two or more players. With you, I'm going to give Jesse Winkler and Eduardo Suarez going to the Mariners. The Mariners will still find a way to miss the playoffs because that's what they do. That is what they do. Although, I I think Jesse Winkler, I think it's just kind of a... I think you'll, you'll see him kind of do the same thing he's been done. He's a great on-base guy, and he's really a kind of... Just a player, really, who's just going to give you some stability as, as an outfielder. And the Mariners, you know, they're going all in. You mm-hmm. know, got to give them credit. Do they overtake Houston? I don't know. Does Los Angeles finally take a step forward? I don't know. It's really it's really a matter of, you know, the Mariners can put all the pieces together. But I will say that going from the, one of the best Harris Parks in Cincinnati now going to a pitcher's park, I would actually avoid these guys if they had to like it's that bad. And Winkler did have a resurgence of a year, and Suarez just keeps striking out. Mm-hmm. I hate guys who strike out, by the way. I'm always a contact hitter, but that is going to be a huge regression for both. Uh, Bill, I'm going to give you Josh Donaldson and Gary Sanchez trade. Also, you have Connor Falefa in there, as well as Gio uh, Ursula. So, so Falefa and Donaldson go to New York. Sanchez and Ursula go to the Twins. What do you think is the biggest uh, fantasy impact? Ursula, he's a good player. He's very underrated. A lot of people don't really know his name unless like they uh, follow the Yankees in a good way. You know, in this area, everybody hates the Yankees for obvious reasons. It's, you know, most of the country feels that way for the most part. Mm-hmm. But um, really good, really underrated player. You know, I really just think that that right there makes things happen, you know, even more for that lineup. Like I said from the beginning of this podcast, I am really high on Minnesota this year. Mm-hmm. I really think that they got a real shot at making some noise. Um, could they get to the World Series? I don't know. I mean, the American League has some pretty good teams. That's the thing about baseball is that, you know, go back a few years to when the Red Sox beat the uh, the Red Sox beat the Rockies. Mm-hmm. The Rockies were on that incredible run, you know, late September and through October. And they had, you know, a week and a half layoff, and that's the, uh, you know, the epic seven-game series between the Red Sox and the Yankees. And, um, you know, that layoff cost them. So, I mean, who knows? I mean, Donaldson, he's going to hit no matter where he's at. I mean, he's been that guy his whole career until he's not that guy. He's going to be that guy, in my opinion. I'm still kind of wondering why the A's traded him to Toronto for Brett Lawry, but... (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I forgot about that. For versatility, he plays second base. I mean, I guess, but, you know... But um, that pitcher that I can't pronounce his last name, um, he's got a lot of upside too. You know, the Yankees were really high on him, and um, you know, we'll see. So speaking of Oakland and Toronto, they traded away Matt Chapman um, to uh, to Toronto. I'm also going to cover um, Kasaiki as well. He signed with the Blue Jays. So the so the impact here is is flip flopped. The fact that matters is that with. Chapman, he goes from a pitcher's park now going to a hitter's park, so that could definitely be a sleeper. Because Psyche is the opposite. He go, he had a down season. He was kind of good in the first half, kind of in the second half, but then steadily declined. He goes into a hitter's-friendly park, so I would definitely avoid him going from one good place to a really bad place. I definitely would avoid him at all costs. And I just remember Gary Sanchez, I, I think he takes a step up. Now, he's going to have catcher eligibility. Right. He's going to be DH, which then could rest his legs. Yep. Doesn't have to worry about much about his bad defense right. and errors 
I definitely think for him being DH, and again, I know not every league has DH, but could be used as utility, which then, you know, he's a great hitter, and with the, the ballpark, actually, Yankees feel actually is kind of like a pitcher's park, sort of, it has been in recent years, so when it comes to Minnesota, I think he definitely is an uptake, especially when you don't have that many great catchers out there. Right. And now, the last thing I just wanted to bring up, uh, and this is going to be real quick, is the impact of the CBA on fantasy baseball, so I'm going to run down a few things, and maybe just anything else you want to bring up from the offseason, or just from the lockout, that could take impact on fantasy baseball, particularly for you guys or for anyone else. Universal DH, definitely this is going to hurt NL pitchers. Like, don't get me wrong, like, AL pitchers have dealt with this, and they're great, but it's going to take some adjustment from NL pitchers to get used to not having that easy out of a pitcher, and which then they might give up a point two or three more earn runs than you expect because now you have the DH in there. So don't get too mad if DeGrom has a bad start here and there because, uh, because you know, like, that DH or that pinch hitter or whatever the case may be turn out to, do, to be like a Nelson Cruz on the Nationals where that is totally a step up from it being a Steven Strasburg like hitting and he's not that good of a hitter. Uh, you also have more teams trying to contend with the one team uh, uh, expansion playoff to which then you're going to have more teams trying to which then you have less players that are going to rest towards the end. This is mostly a September thing and I definitely will say that there's uh, there, that you want to be aware of, okay, this team's in the hunt. You had that last playoff spot. It definitely changes, you know, how cautious are they with players? Are they going to rush players? Or are they like, you know what, we got we to gotta try to win some games here before it's too late. We want you back in the line. It definitely can help for stashing later on in the season. And then lastly, there's no more seven-inning games, to which then there's probably more stats accumulated, maybe a little bit less saves, depending on what happens in the eighth and ninth inning. So any the last um, it, it, or it, comments on that or any last things you want to say before wrapping up the podcast? Yeah, I just think the, just to highlight a few things that we did, you know, Make sure you have a sound draft strategy, you know, know, know the rules of your league. You know, those are the two biggest things. And when it comes to, you know, when it comes to CPA this year, I don't think you'll see too big a difference. It's next year when the, you know, the shift ban takes effect and Absolutely. things like that, you know, really keep an eye out for players. But for this year, you know, just really, just really take note of, you know, players you like, players coming back from injury guys breaking out, you know, kind of see the signs early in the season, you know, April and May, you know, who could be good throughout the season. Yeah, I mean, good luck to everybody, first of all, because, you know, fantasy is all about luck. Injuries can change everything. You know, guy can have a bad game at the most inopportune time for you. Guys can have great games that haven't done anything all year to beat you. Good luck. Just have fun with it. Mm-hmm. You know, um, of course I don't because I'm so serious about it. Because you're a psychopath. Yes, I am. Yes, I am. <laughs> Take it seriously because it is competition, but don't take it so seriously that you might blow some friendships over. Um, You know, if you're in a league or multiple leagues, don't spend money that you can't afford to lose. Mm -hmm. You know, just be smart about it. Understand it's not the end of the world if you don't win the championship. I mean, it's fantasy sports. It's not real life. It kind of is the end of the world. Well, for you it is because you don't have nothing else going on. You know what I mean? So like, It's a half joke. i got a lot of things going on in my life, so it's not the end of the world for me. But, you know... But nah, like, you know, in all seriousness, like, I mean, just, this is supposed to be a fun event that you have. You know, maybe you win a little bit of money, maybe you get some bragging rights, which I always say bragging rights is more important than the money anyway. Mm-hmm. But, um... That's why I told Sky, actually. Right. Money's so. not everything. Like, do, do we really need to worry about the entry fee? Like, do we really have to increase it? Like, are we really going to be... It just serves as an incentive 
two guys to kind of keep up with it. And it's just a little extra bonus when you win. Yeah, I know, but I, I kind of, I'm kind of like Michael Jordan. The fact that I expect you to like, you know, bring your best you when I'm at my best. Compared yourself to the greatest it, basketball off, player. Off, ever off the record, I do usually do that with fans. I have that Michael Jordan mindset where I'm willing to like die for it. It, it wasn't know? like your first like podcast, like the fir- very first episode, like the introduction to greatness or something. Yeah, well, it's I, funny how that came up again. Yeah, it is. I mean, you're a narcissist. Uh, you could say that. I, I think. I think. I think all of us are. If you think. Well, about I definitely. It. There's no question. Yeah, anybody who knows me, that's listen. This will agree. <laughs> He's going to start referring to himself as the great one. <laughs> I should. <laughs> but I will say one last thing. I think with fantasy baseball, there's less luck in fall because of just how long the season is. With fantasy football, it's definitely way more like of a roller coaster, especially with running backs getting hurt or even wide receivers. Even here and there, you have a quarterback like Russell Wilson getting hurt and like kind of like tossing like everything out the window you know so with fans of baseball there is luck involved in terms of like a blown save happening or a win happening so the little things do add up but over the course of the season if you have a good team you, you should be able to make the playoffs at the very least yeah it definitely does even out more in uh baseball because it's so long in other sports i would agree with that but yeah there's still so, luck involved yeah awesome so guys i really do appreciate y'all taking the time here i know you guys love uh fans of baseball i know that you know you guys have been great competitors in the the leagues that we've been in and the leagues that uh, we're about to be in more. So I just I just knew when it came down to it, I could do this by myself, but at the same time, it would definitely be better to, uh, to enhance those with more opinions, with more interpretations, more perspectives. So I definitely appreciate you guys taking the time here today. Yeah, thanks right, for thank having you. us. As Bill said, I definitely do want to wish good luck again. Not like really a much of luck thing with fantasy baseball, but I just if you, if you need luck, then I'm going to give you a little bit of luck. So for the draft... Any trades and negotiations, I know those could be a hassle as well as the whole season and setting your line because, again, that's your responsibility. You got to do it. But don't forget to follow us Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and of course, keep uh, keep in touch when it comes to like uh, like the conversation. If you have anything to discuss, maybe you disagree, maybe you're saying, like, oh, oh, Tanya, of course he's the first overall pick. Of course he is. Let us know about that as well as keep up with uh, with more and more episodes. Of course, we're not stop here except for uh, the spring break because, of course, we all need a break at some point. But until then, Good luck with that. Have a great day. Follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at High Voltage with Double A.